What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for today. It is a two-part episode, and the first part is what you'll be hearing right now. It is my conversation with powerlifting coach Steve Denobi. He is also the meet director of Midwest Primetime, which I will be competing at, along with 27 other competitors on October 10th in Springfield, Missouri, and that is where the bulk of our conversation lies. Um, a really interesting story with Steve. We discuss how he got involved in powerlifting and fitness and how he used his background in business to do some interesting things around the sport. And we discussed a lot just the intricacies and the influence and the motivations in starting Midwest Primetime. Um, it, it was a meet that happened right after cancellation of Raw Nationals, and it's a terrific idea that we converse on a lot. And I just, it's an interesting conversation if you're just interested in the sport of powerlifting because we get into a whole lot of different subjects and putting on a meet, what meets lifters will go to, uh, what USAPL lifters want to compete at, some ideas we have for the sport. So that was a terrific conversation. And the second part of this episode is the breakdown of Midwest Primetime. Uh, we go into session one, the 14 lifters that are competing at it. We play word association with each and every one of the competitors, but that is going to be in the second part. But the first part is about me and Steve talking about just about for an hour about powerlifting, which uh, which was a terrific conversation. I had a lot of fun doing it. Of course I had fun doing it. I mean, that's probably the thing I love doing the most is just shooting the shit about powerlifting. But of course, before we get into the episode, i got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros, who are a sponsor of Midwest Primetime, and they are also a sponsor of Two White Lights, and I love the fact they're a sponsor because I love their merchandise. Use promo code 2WL10, and you can get 10% off of their t-shirts, their tank tops, their beanies. It's almost beanie season. It's hoodie season for sure. It's flannel season, definitely. It's almost going to be beanie season. Uh, gym banners are selling, and I love seeing that. Uh, two White Lights gym banners are available on leftlarbros.com. So use that promo code 2WL10, and you can get 10% off of all merchandise. Also, go to rivalus.net, use promo code ANGELO15, and get 15% off of whatever supplement you desire, whether it be pre-workout, protein, branch-chain amino acids, whatever you take, Rivalus has got it. Use that promo code ANGELO15. Also, go to lift.net, use promo code ANGELO10, and get yourself some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear on the platform and in the gym. Get yourself some discounts if you use that promo code 2, or not 2WL10, that's Left Light Bros, Angelo10. Get 10% off of that. Also, visit 2WhiteLights.com. You get those gym banners at Left Light Bros, remember, but you can't get the 2 White Light t-shirt. We got the Bomb Out Club t-shirt on 2WhiteLights.com. Be sure to visit that. Also, subscribe on iTunes, leave a 5-star review, and follow us on Spotify. And without further ado, here it is, Steve Denobi. And as promised, I got with me via Zoom meeting from the me- mediocre state of Missouri. <laughs> I got with me Steve Denovi, the creator of, in my opinion, the biggest USAPL powerlifting meet since the Arnold in 2020. And we are going to have an excellent discussion about Midwest primetime and just who Steve Denovi is. So how the fuck are you, man? I'm good, man. 
I feel like I may be the, the, the least known person recently on your podcast being lumped together with uh, uh, Daniela being on here and Ashton, but I'll, I'll take the honor of being able to, to be on Two White Lights. You know what? When people come on the show and say that, they, they always like, man, I don't have the Instagram cloud as other people. But as long as you have something to say and you have enough people like interested in what you're about to talk about, you're going to get probably more listens than Ashton Roska and Daniela Mello. And I'm not saying that because they had low listens. They had pretty high listens. But um, very similar to when Matt Cronin came on the show. Matt Cronin was like, uh, I, I might, might be the most least famous person he had on the show. And he fucking killed like the ratings because people want to hear Matt talk. That's why I started listening. That was the first one I listened to was Matt. See? Oh, boy. See, and that's and that's and that's what, that's what you get right there. That you started listening to the show because of Matt Cronin. It wasn't because yeah. of Noriega, it wasn't because of uh, Garrett Fear, Joe Sullivan. It was because of Matt Cronin. So, um, yeah, as long as you have something to say, people will listen. And you have a lot to say today because I I think I started following you like around the Arnold, um, and you know I I am you know pretty open with who I follow, but. I follow people who I know, who I respect, and then I converse with people, too, who, you know, I know and respect, too. And I just noticed so quickly that you had an extreme passion and love for powerlifting, and I love seeing that in the sport. I want to see more people to be passionate about the sport and to actually dedicate so much of their time to the sport and one try to make it better to help athletes out which you do you do coaching and just have a greater influence in the sport so um yeah i was i was i was pretty stoked that um you know we started conversing after the arnold yeah yeah i know uh powerlifting you talk about being like obsessed and being into it it's very much like my passion and my choice like of what my dream job would be I, I, you asked me five, six years ago if I would have been doing this. I thought you were absolutely, you'd be absolutely insane that I could actually be a successful powerlifting coach and coaching people that are not only powerlifting, but like good powerlifters. Like I think I had five people at the Arnold this year, and that's kind of an odd feeling for me just because in the realm of powerlifting, most coaches have some type of lifting background that they can kind of feed off of. Um, I don't know if most people even know if I lift since I never even post that. So, um, I'm a very, very mediocre powerlifter myself, but I just, I just love the objectivity of powerlifting. Like you have specific numbers and you can be able to, to manipulate that and experiment with variables to be able to produce outcomes and then see the direct effect of that. And that just hits home with me. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So you said, you know, five, six years ago, you didn't think you would have a successful powerlifting career coaching athletes and being involved in the sport. So how, how did you get your start into it? How did you bring that journey into fruition so going back even farther so my background i've actually got an mba in marketing um so i had no exercise science background when i was 19 i could do two push-ups i think the first time i went to the gym i could bench the barbell three times so I, there wasn't really any reason why i ever thought i would get into fitness but i just got obsessed with it um like most broke up with a girlfriend started lifting because i wanted something to do in college and just kind of fell in love with it. And since I was, uh, anyone's went to business school, I, it's, it's less of like memorizing coursework and it's more of doing speeches. And that's kind of, that was kind of my forte is doing speeches. So I wouldn't really study much. I just kind of did my thing and I researched exercise. And when I graduated, I graduated in 2010 and that was that height of the recession when okay. no one could get a job. 
Yeah. And so I just started working as a personal trainer. And I kept doing that through grad school. Um, and then after that, I could still struggle to get a job. So I ended up going into gym management. So I was managing Gold's Gyms um, in St. Louis. Um, so I did that for three or four years. Um, really enjoyed that. And that's kind of when I started powerlifting myself. Um, that was kind of the, the, the Lane Norton started in USAPL and then dragged all of us in and then got people doing PH3. And you had one person be able to survive that in <laughs> Angelo Fortino. Um, so um, that really got me kind of into the powerlifting phase and just being a trainer and managing gyms. I mean, I was around powerlifting. I, I coached a couple of people, um, but it wasn't until um, I got married and we moved down to Springfield, Missouri. Um, I kind of saw a niche. Um, you being from the Midwest, you know this. There really isn't very many powerlifting coaches um, in the sense of kind of what I do. Mm-hmm. Like there's like the, you, it, it, we still have like kind of the old fashioned setup where you have your gym, the guy who owns the gym coaches everyone. And then you do your SPF meets and your multiply and stuff like that. It's we're, we're, we're very different than kind of the coach. So in the sense of like a, a USAPL coach per se, mm-hmm. there wasn't really that niche. And so I kind of saw that niche and just started kind of going for that um, and ended up doing really well with it. So, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. The, in the Midwest, that's how, that's how I, I got involved in powerlifting too, or just with the first meets it's, you had a coach, or you had a gym owner who was also a coach, and that was kind of the, that was kind of your world, was mm-hmm. that gym environment that the owner would coach people. And now I see something different, but I didn't see a whole lot with USAPL. So um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting kind of journey you had to take into, and also a pretty organized one too. Like it was, it's pretty, uh, it's it it was pretty like scheduled it seemed and it's uh that's 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 cool to see yeah yeah while i don't necessarily like like i've nba marketing i don't necessarily use it per se but it it helps me kind of understand kind of business opportunities and kind of seeing uh where there's opportunity which leads to the midwest prime time where there's opportunity how can you be able to fill a niche or a void and is there demand how can i supply that so Mm -hmm. um saw that kind of with the powerlifting coach aspect and um worked out well and then obviously with midwest prime time i really wasn't sure kind of the, the initial feedback like when i reached out to you initially there wasn't a sanctioned meet i was really just trying to see can we get 14 lifters um and now 28 together to create the most competitive meet in the midwest is there even interest for it everyone want, want to travel out for this and it obviously everyone did i think every single person i reached out to was immediately on board and, and wanted to give it a go yeah and um yeah, so the the interesting story about that was when you reached out to me about it was it was right when Nationals was canceled, and yeah. I was I think it was a Sunday because I usually every Sunday uh, the weather's nice like it is right now it is a fucking beautiful autumn day usually go out on my patio smoke a cigar drink coffee or an alcoholic beverage or something and just kind of sit on my laptop so I was sitting on my laptop and Joe messaged me like dude dot, 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 we have bad news. And I'm like, what can possibly, what can possibly be bad news that my coach is messaging me right now? Like, I'm not hurt. I don't know what's going on. He's like, Nationals is canceled. And I was kind of expecting it. I wasn't really, I had a feeling that just Nationals wasn't going to happen or me even making the flight to, or the drive, uh, going out to Nationals in Daytona Peach wasn't going to happen in the first place. 
So I was like, all right, you know, I kind of expected that to happen. It was going to be a watered-down version of Nationals anyways. Like, yeah, but we got to get you into a meet. He's like, this is going to be a long, long layoff for you because your last meet was in March, and we're looking at the next meet possibly being March again. Um, he's like, we got to, like, look in the Midwest, see if you can get a meet. So I was on my laptop searching a bunch of different meets in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in, um, I think there was one in Tennessee that I was looking at. Uh, a few in Iowa, and as I was looking, you know, I'm messaging the meet directors. They're like, we're not opening the rosters. We're not opening the signups because we don't even know if it's going to happen ourselves. So I'm like, all right, I'm in limbo here. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And then right when that happened, you messaged me. And I was like, hey, I have an idea for a meet. Would you be interested? I'm like, this is a, this is a gift from God. God being Steve DeNovi. <laughs> Well, it, I just, I had had this idea for a little while because for two reasons. One, I had been thinking about for a while is I usually do a meet in April at mm-hmm. a post-Arnold time um, that's pretty successful, always fills up super quick with about 60 lifters. And I was just thinking, I mean, you've done the Arnold once. Yeah. You're probably going to do it again. After like the second or third time, the the it's a really cool meet, but kind of the esteem of like, I'm doing the Arnold kind of wears off a little bit mm-hmm. and then you might want to like, eh, it'd be nice just to not have to travel and spend 500 plus bucks to be able to go out to, to Columbus. I had had the idea of doing a primetime meet like at night after the other two sessions in that April meet. And I was kind of thinking about that. I just didn't know if there'd be, be the interest. Cause I knew I had lifters. I have, I had two lifters myself that I knew would want to do it. So I had the idea. And then as soon as I realized, I mean, with COVID happening, I figured the nationals was getting canceled. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I just did not foresee that ever happening. So I just knew as soon as it got canceled, the day it happened, I was going to try and put that into fruition of just putting on a 14 lifter meet with just the the best in the region. Um, And that kind of also came to be because I had the idea from, I I, might just saw, I just hosted a meet, a team only meet. That was my other idea that I knew I was going to do with all these meet getting canceled is I had a a 14 lifter team only meet um, for only people I coached about two weeks ago. And so they're just really easy to run. Um, for any meet director who's done a 60 plus lifter meet, there's just a lot that goes on with that. And with all the special rules, it's just not going to be fun to be able to do anything over 14 lifters a session. So, um, both of those just made sense. A team only meet and then a primetime meet, um, to be able to give everyone a chance to compete, compete, but in a manner that we knew wouldn't get canceled and in a manner that we knew was going to be able to run efficiently and, and, and be possible with all the, the special requirements. Yeah, and it was it was cool to see, you know, the weeks after, too, because, you know, I messaged Joe immediately. I was like, all right, it looks like we got a meet in place. It's still kind of – it's still – the skeleton of the meet is there. It's like I don't know who's signing up. Um, Leffler Bros, athlete, uh, awesome person, too. Uh, Abby Poston uh, messaged me as well and said, this, this looks like a legitimate meet. I'm like, if you're doing it, all right, like we got like we got some traction here, and then I saw Mike uh, Colo Di Pietro uh, two weeks later, and he's like, "I'm signing up for it." And then we convinced Aiden Roden to do it, and then uh, he messaged me the the roster of like people who are interested. I'm like, "All right, we." And then I got I got real excited when I saw the roster because I was like, "These are all lifters I know. They're all badass lifters. They're all." super involved in USAPL and it's I'm like this is kind of this is a unique opportunity for us this is a unique opportunity for the USAPL as well because like you said the Arnold is a prestigious meet 
But there's almost a, an etiquette to the Arnold where if you've done the Arnold, say, two or three times, you stop doing the Arnold to get the younger lifters or the people who haven't done it a chance to actually do it. Because how many times you can do the Arnold? Um, I guess the only reason to do the Arnold, maybe if you already did, like, say, the Pro-American or what I did, the A7 Pro Raw Challenge or whatever it was called, uh, is, like, the Grand Prix. Like, that would be an awesome meet to do. The Grand Prix is very similar to Midwest Primetime, very small roster uh, with only elite-level, invite-only type of meet, too. But after that, it's done. People just want to go to Columbus just to experience the Arnold after that and not stress out about competing. And it's like if you go if you go four for nine or three for nine, you know, that weekend is kind of ruined for you. You're probably going to be down in the dumps and you really can't enjoy the Arnold weekend. So less and less lifters do it. But even if you look at this, the grand scheme of USAPL and how you, you know, create your season, you really only get two of those high prestige meets, Nationals and the Arnold. I like the fact that we might have something within the regions that's high prestige that isn't there yet, that is going to be there. It's more of an idea for the future, idea for other people. And when it started picking up traction, when you made the announcement, when I started telling my friends, the response from people that you don't know, that a lot of people just I really didn't associate with um, outside of, you know, just my regular gym training and just through Instagram messaging me and saying, this is the coolest idea I've ever seen. I want Texas to do something like this. I want the South to do something like this. Wouldn't it be great if the East Coast did something like this too, is where we make those regional meets more important where you could have invite onlys, elite lifters only, and what USAPL lifters love to complain about, not enough cash prize meets, you've also incorporated that in the meet as well. So I think you are you have like the trifecta of everything going with this Midwest primetime, and I think it's going to gain traction where other people are going to copy you, which is a good thing in this case where they're copying you because it's only going to be better for the USAPL, which the criticism is for USAPL is they don't have the uh, the invite-only meets that USPA or WRPF have. Um, like with the current open, with the showdown meet, I think now you're going to start getting that with USA, USAPL. Yeah, I agree. And I think another big thing too, and probably a lot of people in powerlifting and listening to this right now, just don't truly understand what competitive powerlifting is. Mm-hmm. Like actually truly competing. Um being at nationals and being in prime time and literally having to jockey with position off attempt of selection. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at like the Arnold, it's not even off a of total. It's off of uh, well IPS score this year, trying to calculate IPS score in between attempts to know what attempts you need to be taking, like truly competitive. And I think that's like, I, I saw one other meet that's going to be really competitive this year. And that's that Virginia winter record. Did you see that one? I have not. Uh, it's got a ton of big names up in the East coast. Ashton's doing it. Connor Borker, uh, Brittany Sublicky. But they're all on different flights. Okay. And that's where it no longer is the same competition. And so it's different when we can get all those people in one flight to truly compete, where it's not just about coming in and hitting your PRs. It's about how can I put together the best coefficient score in this manner to beat this other competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who haven't been involved in that situation just don't understand, like, kind of just the difference and how much more fun and adrenaline filled and like 
how much of a different sport that is than just going to a meet and lifting for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the biggest difference in going to nationals. And that's why it's so prestigious going to Arnold. That's why it's so prestigious going to regionals. You're just lifting. Mm -hmm. It'd be really, really cool if regionals had a prime time session with the best lifters at regionals, all lifting in one session, coefficient score base to be able to really truly have a competition versus just putting numbers in and, and seeing kind of where you are at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know if you listen to Garrett Fierce's podcast on King of the Lifts. Yeah, but, everything what he said, 1,000%. Oh, my God. And, and if you guys haven't listened, um, I will plug another podcast on my podcast. Uh, it might be terrible for my ratings, but and at this point I don't care because that, that interview was so damn good with the USPA lifter like Garrett um, saying – how insane the competitiveness at USAPL Raw Nationals is and how that is one of the coolest competitions he's ever seen. And that was something that was new to me when I went when I saw Primetime. It was the closest feeling I got to professional sport that, you know, as being a powerlifter. You had that professional sport feeling where I didn't realize that you had to jockey for position. You had to really take into account what other lifters do in order to win. I had no idea until I saw Raw Nationals take place and compete at the Arnold. And when I saw Joe, you know, really tell me, like, okay, we might have to hit this. We might have to pull for the win. You might have to put your American record on hold in case there's a situation where you could pull for best overall lifter. And that was new to me because it was always just put in a number. I was always, you know, putting your best number, putting your best total, uh, even if it's a 5kg improvement, you know, it's, it's all about progress for me, but now it's changed because it's more competitive and we have something in the middle there. I think I messaged you about this. Um, this is one, I, I, I don't know what the future holds for, uh, you hosting meets similar to Midwest primetime or what, you know, even the the broader view of what USAPL is going to do and other meet directors are going to do. But I always said, wouldn't it be cool that we have those two big juggernaut meets? We got one in October, Raw Nationals, and one in March, which is the Arnold. Wouldn't it be great if we had one just right in the middle between those or one that leads to the other? Um, and I think I compared it to uh, baseball. Like, you got opening day for baseball, you got the all-star break, and then you got the playoffs. What powerlifting's missing is the all-star break. And I think something in the summer, say like July or August, uh, going into Raw Nationals would be a great filler for other lifters who are like, you know what, I'm a high-level competitor. I want to strive for something. I would like to have that filler meet for Raw Nationals mean something. Where I go against the best lifters in my region or go to this invite-only meet, Put in a good total there, then compete at Raw Nationals. I think that'll be great for the sport, and you get that season competitiveness where you have three meets a year, which most people take three or four meets a year. Um, we were supposed to do probably three meets, uh, three or four meets in 2020. Uh, I was supposed to do one in July. That obviously didn't happen. But three or four meets a year where you are seasoned. You have that idea. Then you have IPF Worlds on top of that, too, where you could shoot for something. Like, that would be such a great thing for lifters in the USAPL because, one, not everyone gets to compete at IPF Worlds. Uh, the best of the best get to do that. And, two, it just gives something to – it just gives lifters to shoot for something. You know, because if you're not winning Raw Nationals or you don't have a chance to really go into prime time, you still have something to compete for at Raw Nationals, and that's usually to qualify for the Arnold's.
Mm-hmm. It'd be great to be able to qualify for something else that isn't the Arnold or Raw Nationals. And that's a little easier, too, to travel for. Yeah. I mean, like, I would love to be able to keep doing this myself, but in the grand scheme of things, I already alluded to it. Regionals is in July and August, and it's, it's a great thing if we could have this stepping stone of local meet to regional to nationals. Because the fact of the matter is, is where with national qualifying totals are now, there are just some people that will probably never go to nationals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, where they're at now, it's pretty elite. There are some, it's, it's high. So regionals, I would love for that to be more esteemed where some of my lifters who may not go to nationals feel this like esteem of, oh, I qualified for regionals. But that steam's not going to be there unless you have the Russell Orhees going there. Mm-hmm. That's part of going to nationals is you get to compete on the same stage Russ is competing or Daniela. I mean, you, you feel like you're a pro athlete with them. Um, and it would be great if regionals could attract those people. And I think it would if there could be that prime time session, which is perfect timing for them to then get their total in for nationals prime time, which a lot of people do right now because a lot of times that Arnold is too far away and mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're going to miss out because someone else is going to chip your total by two and a half at an August meet. So. In the grand scheme, the perfect situation is for regionals to have some type of primetime session to be able to create some esteem for regionals to not only give high-level lifters a chance, but make some lifters who may not go to nationals create regionals as this this esteemed meet that people want to go to because it's 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 higher level than a local meet. Unfortunately, right now, it just ends up being kind of some, just a bigger local meet for most people. Yeah, I, I, I don't even call it that a bigger. I would just call it a local meet. Like every regional meet I've ever seen, or like a state meet I've seen, has just been another meet. It's been considered just another like when I did my first USAPL meet, I did uh, one at BMW Gym in Chicago, Illinois, and that to me was the same meet as the one they hold in uh, Bloomington, which is like supposed to be the you know the state meet or the regional meet that people come out to. Really wasn't like. It was on the same playing field. Uh, and this is this is a funny thing that happens in powerlifting. A lot of people have these ideas. This isn't a new idea, making regional meets more important. Yeah. They, they like to compare. Yeah. Like, we, we have these conversations all the time, either through Instagram or at the gym, of there being more prestige given to regional meets, and no one has ever done anything about it. They just like, I think they just like hearing themselves complain about, uh, myself included, I've probably done it on the show countless times with different guests that I'm complaining about it, but never really have took the initiative to do something. You actually have done the initiative and did something about it and lifters are psyched about it. And I think, I think this is going to be so influential in powerlifting because I think there's no question that lifters want to compete. Lifters want an excuse to compete too. They want an excuse to compete more. Uh, they, I mean, going on the platform for a powerlifter is the best thing about powerlifting, in my opinion. It is an adrenaline rush. It is awesome to compete, no matter if it's a local meet, state meet, national meet, invite only meet. People love to do it. I think if you give people in the USAPL more opportunities, they're going to take that opportunity. I think you're going to see bigger name lifters actually take the time like, all right, I'm going to do this meet because it's worth something. It's worth doing this meet. And again, if you have it in the middle of the summer there, because that was the reason why I was going to do the meet in July was, you know, we were feeling great about that 775 kg total we had at the Arnold. Then we're looking at the, the you know, the top 15 in USAPL like, oh shit, is that going to be good enough for prime time? Like maybe we should up that, you know, 
kilo, maybe we should do like a five, 10 improve, five to 10 kilo improvement on it. Um, and then compete at raw nationals. But if you have that where it actually means something, if there's more competition there, um, it, it, the, you know, the, the motivation to compete is so much higher. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, cause I, it not only is motivation to compete, you, you feel a part of something. Mm-hmm. Like I think every single person I've reached out to in this prime time session with these 14 lifters, one of the reasons I was able to get all these 14 is because like you saw the roster, like it made you feel like you were part of something bigger mm-hmm. because you see how everyone's coming together. Um, and in sense of, and well, I don't, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is people like clout. Yeah. Clout helps people like Instagram. I don't, it's stupid for anyone to deny the fact that having notoriety on Instagram is nice. And so when you have all these lifters that have a little bit more, I mean, not only esteem and lifting, but have Instagram clout, they're all coming together. It just creates this, this feeling of involvement and community that you're probably not going to get with some of these high level lifters just kind of poking into a meet where they're just going to win by a ridiculous amount. And Mm -hmm. that's it. Um, it, We are stronger as a whole versus spreading out and just doing our own little thing, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think if you get the pulse of people who compete at Raw Nationals, I mean, that's why I got hooked on USAPL was because of Raw Nationals and the coming together of lifters that you know on Instagram, that you're friends with, you know, say in New York, you never saw in person. You're just always, you're talking to them almost every day about, you know, powerlifting and just life in general. And then you get to meet them and hang out with them and, you know, for an entire week. That is seriously, like, it's one of the greatest feelings I had as a powerlifter was just hanging out at Raw Nationals and conversing with people that I've never saw in person. But we were friends. We're cool. Like, but we, we never actually got the interaction. And this is another opportunity for that. You get the people in the region. Like, when I looked at the roster, I knew 90% of the thing of the, of the roster. And I was like, man, it'll be just cool to see them again. It'll be cool to compete with them again. Because the only time legitimately most of us get to do this is at Raw Nationals or the Arnold. That's what makes those weekends so so uh special in powerlifting is the fact that you finally get to meet these people that you don't get or you finally get to see your friends again yeah i think i mean well, two things i'll go off of that one going kind of back to the garrett fear king of the list thing for anyone who hates on usa powerlifting, i tell them the same thing if you haven't been to raw nationals you just don't understand mm-hmm. like once you go to raw nationals you finally understand why USAPL is the premier powerlifting federation in the U S and, and really the world. Cause it's, it's just different. Raw nationals is on a different level of, of, of the sport. Um, second is just, this is for people wanting to copy this. Cause I would love for it to be copied is understanding kind of like from a business perspective, why I did this. Number one, I did it honestly, cause I have three lifters competing and I wanted them to have a meet. Mm-hmm. I could have just done a little local meet for them, but I wanted to have a meet where it actually meant something. And I, I coach Patrick, I coach Abby and I coach Kyle Bailey. Um, number two, I just think it would be really cool. I love the battles. I want to see 14 people battle it out. I really was wishing we could do just male and female combined, but unfortunately with good lift points, it's a little bit too biased, so we couldn't do that. So mm-hmm. it still works out. We can do seven and seven with uh, men and women. It's still going to be fun. But three, by doing this, I was able to create a network with the 14 most influential lifters in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, while I knew some of you, I'm getting to know you a lot better. There's other lifters I'd never talked to. And, and while I'm not expecting anything from you, it creates this network 
then I'm now able to have more business opportunities again. Like if I want to host this meet again and it goes really well, I can easily reach out to all of you and you're going to be much more likely to want to do this um, or be involved in anything in the future. It's just understanding that powerlifting is a sport, but if you, if you want to be on the business side, the meet directing side, the coaching side, there's a business aspect to it as well. And understanding, like I kind of mentioned this in post, I'm making $0 off this meet. Mm-hmm. I will make no money. Um, but the networking, the fact that I'm on this podcast, which gets a lot of outreach, the fact that uh, people are sharing my stuff, there is a lot of free advertising I'm getting just as a person. I don't, I don't even necessarily want more people for coaching. I actually don't really accept too many spots. Um, um, so I'm full on that. No, I won't get any more from that. But two, three, four years down the road, this may lead to more that eventually develops my business further. So it's understanding opportunity and understanding that sometimes just giving back to the lifters and, and understanding the ones that are going to be able to have influence and be able to give back to you as well is, is, a, is, a, is a great tool to be able to utilize. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I know, yeah, and uh, I've had this uh, conversation before with uh, actually Johnny Candido with how important relationships are in the sport where your relationships with others actually can dictate one, just you as a competitor, because I know I learned a lot just by conversing with people from the show, and I've improved my game, you know, just knowing these people, uh, just completely from a competition aspect alone and a training aspect with, like, different training philosophies on what to do. I know uh, before I had Matt Cronin on the show, he really, like, he was one of the first guys to kind of fix my deadlift a little bit. Uh, with a few of his videos and the fact that I get to converse with him more has helped me, you know, up to the stage of getting coaching and people tell me about different coaches too. Again, that's how I kind of caught light of Joe TSA, uh, Joe Stanek was through, you know, the networking of USAPL and the relationship fortune is so important from a competitive standpoint, but also, as you said, as a business standpoint as well, like a lot of people in this sport want to make money. A lot of people in the sport want to have more influence, and this is the best way to do it. And I know occasionally uh, the cool thing to do is not care about that part, but it. Yeah, I, I don't give a shit if it's a cool thing we to do. Like, we, you you want to okay make money. Stuff. I'm okay with doing stuff for free and giving back, but like, I don't coach for free. Yeah, like I'm. I'm I mean, we're 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 here. To, it's business. There's still a business side to it, whether people want to say or not. So. Yeah, and I've I've made money through the in, the the connections I had in the sport. I've made I've you know broadened my influence. Two white lights got bigger because more lifters who I knew that people want to listen to came on the show. Two white lights has expanded, you know, and you know that's how that's how I got the Leflar Bros sponsorship was through mm-hmm. two white lights was through those connections and because of you know me and um we we were both coached under uh, Joe Stanek. If I didn't get coaching from Joe Stanek, you might not be looking at the Left Lar Bro sponsorship, who's it's been beneficial to both of us. That Left yeah. Lar Bro sponsorship. Like it's been just so incredibly beneficial to have those uh connections. And yeah, you and I, you know, we we're conversing more and we're starting to get into those um you know, the fact that we're arguing now about Cubs and Cardinals. Well, yeah, that's we have eleven World Series. I mean how well, I mean, I the only postseason you guys faced the Cubs and you got your ass whooped. So that was, that was, that was, uh, I don't care how many World Series you have, you don't have that over us. How, uh, actually, how are the Cardinals doing this year? We're not going to talk about that one. 
We're not. We're good at going. To, we're good at going to casinos. That's what we're pretty good at this year. Yeah. Thanks for fucking up baseball, by the way. Almost. Almost baseball, ruined the season. But yeah, se- screwed up all together. Season should not. Have, that was terrible. The season was just a waste from the get go. Well, if the Cubs win the World Series, the season is not a waste. If they don't win the World Series, season's fucking waste. Which they're not. Well, yeah, we're we're gonna get into a boring baseball conversation that's going to ruin like the demographic of this. Like people are just not gonna want to tune into it. But the fact that we're having those conversations, though, it's evolving to the point like it's it's a different it's a different type of interaction that you're gonna get with lifters. You know, because this this has happened so many times where we would just talk about powerlifting with the friends I've made in the USAPL. Then we start talking about just the movies we like. You know the sports we like, our different interests. Like it's those those relationships are really important in the sport, and that's what makes the sport special. I I, I sometimes give up powerlifting powerlifters who say that you know uh, a, a bit of a hard time calling it kind of a cult, but the reason why I give it a hard time because it's true. There's an element of truth to that. It's it is a community. It is an awesome community. And if we can make that community stronger, which this meet is doing, um, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think we really needed that in the Midwest too, and that was I can add that as another reason. Because mm-hmm. in the Midwest, we have some really strong lifters, but I feel like compared to like the East Coast or the West Coast or even Texas, we're a little bit disconnected. Like mm-hmm. I, you might think the same thing. When I look at Texas, I literally feel like Texas is one city and they all live together, even though I know that's not true. Like the like because you see all of them lifting together, like Houston, Dallas, like even though it's three or four hours away, like. I, yeah, sometimes I have to like think, oh, uh, Marcellus doesn't live with in Houston with Russ, even though I think of them as the same exact mm-hmm. culture. Even like in the east, in the East Coast, you see Ashton going to every single gym, and he knows everyone. Like, it, we don't have that in the Midwest. We're just all scattered, and it's it. it we haven't had a very good, in sense, USA powerlifting culture in the Midwest. And I, this, I, I'm hoping that this kind of creates this by just like we're coming together to network, we get to know each other better, so that um, we can be stronger again as a whole and as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in a group chat with a lot of lifters from Texas, and I always look at Houston and the Texas area as the mecca of powerlifting. Like, if you want to go and can, if you want to go to just you know into the powerlifting community, you go to Texas. You like you vacation out to Texas, and you see a lot of people just moving to Texas because of the powerlifting influence it has. And yeah, they're extremely strong over there. And I would say on the East Coast too, West Coast um, they have a little bit more of a USPA vibe over there people in california say that usapl isn't really as strong over there and midwest i would say too is more uspa and some of those um like apf the good old i call them the good old boy federations Mm -hmm. like those types of lifters uh are not really in tune or interested in the usapl and evidence of this in illinois and i've I've said this so many times they're missing out the 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 usapl uh you know, the state directors, the chairman in USAPL in Illinois are missing out on a lot of lifters because they simply just don't have a good influence in the state. Uh, that's the reason why I didn't start with USAPL. I APF was 15 minutes away from my house. Uh, the state director, the state chair uh, has a gym in Lombard. I went there and that's how I found out about powerlifting. It wasn't from USAPL. And get, getting like a USAPL meet in Illinois is really fucking hard. Uh, there's, I think three, two in BMW and one in Bloomington, three meets a year. Like you're missing out on a lot of would be USAPL competitors. So if you have a meet like this, yes, I think hope, I mean, I'm not going to speak in guarantees cause I kind of 
know a little bit of the ins and outs of what goes on in USAPL Illinois. But if you can get more people involved in the Federation, the influence is just going to grow, and we might have the same feel like within the Midwest of there's a community here, and this is what the community is. You know, you go to search. You go to search to train or something. You go to some of those big gyms in the Midwest to train with some of the guys that are extremely strong and influential in the sport. I was shocked because when, when I first started this meet, I kind of had some, I, I knew you, I was going to reach out to you. And I had some names I knew that were the top lifters kind of from like Kansas, Missouri, Illinois. But then I went to the USAPL lifting database and just searched based off a of coefficient score to see who was the top people. And I was shocked how many people were from Illinois. I didn't realize Illinois had that much of a, a, a community. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, I, th- I think he's still the state director, but I mean, probably one of the, the hard parts is the state director is Jim's in Missouri. Um, uh, he, Chris Thacker, I think he's still the state director for Illinois. His gym is in Missouri, even though he lives in Illinois. And so I think just Chicago is way off the map from where that location is, where he holds oh, yeah. kind of the state meets and kind of that stuff. Um, and so it's tough. Like someone, someone in Chicago, like if I lived in Chicago, I see that as a niche. Like when I moved to Springfield, no one was taking care of the power. There were so many power lifters that were all just spread out and no one wanted to create community and bring that together. And that's where I, when I moved here and fortunately my wife has a great job so I could kind of start my own thing and not have to worry about income as much at first i saw a niche it's like okay springfield scattered let's bring it together no one's doing it i think someone in chicago's got to take that up because it seems like usa power thing in, in chicago could i mean could be huge but just no one's going for it yeah and you know what and i have spoken to people from like um dennis brady uh he does the bmw meets and i guess i won't get into too much of the ins and outs of things but i know him for he, he him for a fact really wants that to happen I've talked to him at Surge before. He trains at Surge occasionally. He lives in the city. Um, Chicago can be a little bit of a difficult city. I say you have to broaden and get to the suburbs. That's what I mean. I say Chicago as a whole, but yeah, I, I understand the suburbs. So I used to live there, but I say Chicago as a whole for most people because, yeah. But yes, yeah, 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 no, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I have that whole thing before. It's like, we're going to go out to Chicago to visit Angelo, like in the group chat. I'm like, I don't live in Chicago. I'm like, I don't want you guys to be disappointed when you get here and you're not looking at the Sears Tower. Like, if you come and see me, you're going to be looking at pretty much a suburb. But it, but in Chicago is where those meets have. Like, downtown Chicago. You're in the heart of the city when you do that BMW meet. And it's, it's a bit of a difficult place, so you have to broaden out and reach the suburbs. And I know the people, I know there's people in Illinois who really, really want that to happen or are trying whatever they can. They just don't have the influence or they just don't have the power to do so. Um... So I think any sort of help the Midwest can do to, you know, raise that awareness is going to be huge for uh, the state of Illinois and just powerlifting in general. Because I know so many lifters who are young and just get into USPA, and I, I guess uh, I, I might go on my, you know, elitist rant right now, but it would have been great to see them prior to when the uh, – where they kind of fall into the zeitgeist of what they should do as a powerlifter. You know, because you're competing USPA, and you're like, all right, well, in order to compete with those top dogs, i got to start taking steroids. And then, boom, when you made that decision, you're no longer a USAPL lifter. It's over for you. You're a USPA, APF, untested lifter, which, you know, is, it's totally fine, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. But if you were 19 years old and got into USAPL, you probably would have loved it. And you probably didn't have to make that huge life commitment of taking steroids 
in order to continue your powerlifting career. You could have set your sights on something of competing at Raw Nationals. You could have, and that's, and like what Garrett Fear said, it's the strongest competition aspect of powerlifting. And you get that season competitiveness that other lifters don't have. And there is so many lifters in Illinois who could have done that. So many of them. I was I was lucky enough to just do AAPF meets where I was drug tested because I had no interest in taking steroids at any point in my life. Uh, and I was lucky enough for that to happen to me where I can easily transition to the USAPL. But, you know, we have 21-year-olds who are just making that decision of, you know, I'm a USPA guy. I got to compete like a USPA guy. Yeah. Yeah, haven't I? Again, when I moved to Springfield, there was no such thing as – it was even, even bodybuilding down here. It was all untested. There was no such thing as any type of, of natural or drug-free. So um, I actually, similar to you, when I first started competing in Missouri, um, USAPL, USAPL was like frowned upon like five or six years ago. Like it was terrible. You just do USPA. So my first ever meet was USPA. I didn't, I didn't know any better because um, I didn't know of anything else. So just the opportunity to choose. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. Just the yeah. opportunity to choose which one you want. Um, as well as, I, I mean, going back to saying it may be elitist, USA powerlifting has a lower barrier to entry. Yeah. Um, it has a lower barrier of entry. There's one bar and there's one rack. You can do that anywhere in the entire U.S. Um, you don't have to it, – it, it's just a little bit harder when you maybe have to compete on a monolift. You're going to use a deadlift bar. You can use a squat bar. There's a little bit more barrier of entry with equipment there. Um, there's a reason why USA powerlifting is growing. If you look at the stats, the main growth in the last, like, three years – obviously, there was, a, there was a big surge about five years ago, and it's been going up. But the big growth is from women. Mm-hmm. And female powerlifting, and they tend to feel more comfortable in the drug-free range because I mean, in the grand in the population, there's more men who take that route than women take that route. So USA Powerlifting allows that option, which allows more women to join in. And then guess what happens when more women join in? More <laughs> men join. That yeah. was that was going back to my commercial gym days. If you want more men to join, you get more women to join, and it, and then when you get more men to join. And they're attractive, then you get more money. It just it goes back and forth. People, it, it all goes back to our primal nature of why people do things. Yeah, uh, the, the Daniela Mello podcast kind of brought some light to the uh, the, the thirstiness of USAPL lifters at times. But um, yeah, but you you are one hundred percent right. And the and the barrier to entry thing is so important because when I when I started powerlifting, it was of course in a commercial gym, and. You know, the investment you have to make in order to be a USAPL lifter, if you want to uh, practice how you play, all you really got to do is get an Ohio power bar or a stiff bar. That's it. That's really, I mean, the calibrated plates are one thing, but you can lift all three lifts with one bar, a 45-pound bar. Doesn't have to be, you know, competition standards to a point. Um, I would say that Texas power bar is a deadlift bar, so uh, maybe maybe don't, don't, don't purchase that bar, but... You can you can go into a commercial gym and train for a USAPL meet. Where if you are APF, USPA, and you do wrapped, you know, and you really want to utilize your performance, you have to. You probably should go to a gym that has a deadlift bar, that has a monolift, that has something within that realm because that's what you're going to be competing with. USPA, I mean USAPL, you don't really need to do that. You can you can target you know the 17 year old gym rat who just wants to. Uh, continue his journey in fitness you can really get that with usapl it's uh quite simple in that way and also the drug-free aspect of it is super important because you don't have to encourage others to take steroids i think sometimes steroids are all like 
if you don't support steroids and powerlifting, you're a hater and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think some people forget that steroids are illegal. Like, like there's some gyms, like being, again, in the commercial gym business, I've been at gyms that were filled with that, and I've been at gyms that weren't filled with that. The ones that were filled with that, there were a lot of people that are uncomfortable to be finding trend bottles on the floor and needles on the floor in the locker room. Like, mm-hmm. Not everyone's comfortable with that. So sometimes it's like hated on that like if you don't accept that as okay, that you're wrong. Where some people just like they prefer to be on the drug free side because mm-hmm. it is the legal route per se. Now as some people are doing the, the untested side legally in the sense of TRT, but I think just some people forget sometimes that like even though it's very widely accepted and I have I personally don't really have an issue with it. There is a legality issue there, and some people just don't want to be involved with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and I've I've taken a lot of hate for that myself. I've said my, uh, I've been very clear with my opinions on uh, PEDs and steroids. And of course, I'm going to get made fun of by you know some of the gym population who do in fact take. Which again, no judgment there. But if you listen to some of the Two White Lights episodes of guys who compete untested and then say that they kind of wish they did it differently, that's a huge. That, that, that's that should be a bigger you know just a sign like yeah. whoa like this awesome competitor says like you know what if i could do it over again i might have been drug free and compete in the usapl i mean garrett just said that on king of the lifts and that was insane that was like the one that moment those moments of like an aha moment like oh my god like really like that's that's uh that's a real thing and and i've and i said this on the show before i never want to be in a situation where People are convincing a teenager to take PEDs to compete, you know, in a, in a pseudo sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I never I never want to see that happen. Uh, and I, and again, I, I sometimes get cast out as a leper for saying that. Like, I, I'm, I'm sometimes vilified or made fun of for, like, saying, hey, maybe a 17-year-old shouldn't take steroids. Well, that's why it's ridiculous that you're vilified for it, because that... Yeah, I know, it's it's amazing. Like, I think it's just so common nature in the sport that that's a thing that people don't realize the ramifications, and like you said, I mean, I know plenty of people that are untested, they're like, you know what, I just, I, I can never go back now, but I wish I didn't, because they realize 10, 15 years down the line, crap, I've got to do this for the rest of my life now. Yeah, it, it's I can a... never stop this this decision I made when I was seventeen. I can never stop, and some people are okay with that. They want to do it. But yeah, seventeen year old maybe shouldn't make that choice as well as they have more testosterone than most of these guys anyway. So just mm-hmm. let yourself grow. So yeah, I, I don't. That it's ridiculous. It's, that's vilified. It is very much a choice anyone should have to make. But make it once you have maybe maximized your natty gains, or you, you are old enough to make a, a, a legitimate decision, or even know how to do it correctly. Because I'll throw out one thing. I mean, I. I've coached people who are untested. The people who are the strongest do so much less than what most people think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anything to do with that side. I don't know nothing about it, but just hearing from them, they do so much less than what the, the mediocre power lifters on the untested side do when it comes to, to drug dosing. Yeah. So much less. And that's why they're kind of healthy and they can have longevity where you see this, this middle tier that's doing ridiculous amounts. Kind of Garrett's talked about this too. And they're, they're killing themselves. Like, they, don't under, they don't have an understanding because they get into it without having someone helping them properly. Mainly because it's hard to get someone to help you properly because it's a taboo, a legal thing to do. And so it's, it's hard to find the ability to get someone responsible with it. So, 
Oh yeah. And we well, went down a rabbit hole with steroid talk. <laughs> oh no, and then, well, it's it's a fair one to have, and uh, that's and but that's a that's a hot topic in powerlifting, and yeah, and, and I couldn't agree more with you because like you know, and we'll we'll get to uh, more Midwest prime time and shortly here, but I just want to get this last point and talk about this lifelong commitment. You know, when you're 18, 19 years old, typically you don't get married, right? Typically mm-hmm. you don't have kids. Typically you're really thinking about, hey, what college should I go to? What lifelong decisions am I going to make now that are going to dictate everything I do in my life? So if you're putting that much thought into that, you could probably put as much thought into, should I take steroids or not? Because people just kind of fucking do it. They just go, they go full send on that. Like, no, 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 no. You guys are 18, 19 years old. Like, you're, you're already predisposed to this idea that you shouldn't make these insane lifelong decisions that are going to completely alter how you live. So steroids should probably be taken with the same sort of delicacy and care. And, um, but believe it or not, 17 and 18 year olds are impulsive. So, yeah. They, they just, they, they make horrible decisions like at that point and uh, they save like those other decisions of having kids and uh, going to college or getting a, like a career when they're like 24, 25 years old. And that's probably when you should have that <laughs> discussion about steroids when you start maturing, when your brain starts to mature. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my little tidbit of advice for all the, uh, you know, teenagers who are listening to white lights which there's many of them that's our big and that will do it for the first part of our interview with steve denobi the second part as i mentioned at the beginning of the show is the breakdown of midwest prime time with all the session one lifters we play word association with each and every one of them that was a lot of fun uh the second part was really fun to record because it was something that we don't do very often on two white lights in this breakdown of event so and we did it in a two white lights fashion you know like uh, uh steve did all the research he had the he had everything set to go and i just kind of threw in my senseless commentary so uh it was great recording that and yeah be sure to listen i should have put in a sound effect or something to make sure you guys know that we're done with the episode but uh, yeah, we're done with this episode. So, again, episode 68, Midwest Primetime Breakdown, and that is going to be released tomorrow. So when you're listening to this, tomorrow I will release that. So, peace. <laughs>